This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're now listening to Boomsies with Dan O'Toole on the Bet Rivers Network. Still growing my hair out. We have reached the, the length in which I'm stopping at, but still figuring out how to style it because currently I look like a guy that uh, that just bought a Corvette I look like a guy who inherited a lot of money from his parents and just bought the Oakland A's I look like a guy who Needs to figure out what the hell to do with his hair. Boomsies! 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 Well, welcome to the show. Come on, it's time, let's go. So glad that you're here. We're I look like a guy who would bum a smoke off you. Or you could bum a smoke off me. I look like a guy who definitely owns a leather jacket. Hey. And if uh, any of my friends are like, uh, what are you going to do with your hair? I said, I'm waiting for the call up to an NHL team so I can do a bucket off warm up. Sheldon Surrey style. I've just got that hair greased back and. Letting everyone gaze. Welcome to Boomsies. We're glad you're here. We're glad that you take the time. We, we're glad that you like and subscribe and, and tell your friends. It's a good place to be. There are. Can we get a total on... Can we do, is that a quick Google search you guys can do? How many podcasts are there in the world? Like I'm talking worldwide, not just North America. I'm going to ballpark this here. Podcasts in the world, I will say. Okay, over under is a million. I'm going to say there's over a million podcasts. That's my over under total. 3.02 million wow (laughs) oh man there are over three million podcasts what so i was off by two million yeah and then depending on how you count the numbers their estimates it could be as much as 4.2 million (laughs) tim how many do you have uh, I just do this one. Oh, 
Okay, good. I'm glad you devote all your time out of the 4 million podcasts in the world that you devoted to this one. Speaking of over-unders, man, went on the old uh, Bet Rivers app. It's a great app. Looking at that Sunday nighter, Dolphins, Eagles. I'm like, man, there's going to be a lot of scoring. It was the highest total of the week, 52. I said, they're going to hit this in the first half. Well, they didn't, but they were halfway to the total, the first half. Uh, they were at, uh, I don't know, like 20 points or something. So I'm like, okay, we're, we're looking good. We're trending towards this over. And then the Dolphins just had no offense second half. They scored one touchdown. Eagles have the ball eating up the clock in the fourth quarter. They're ahead by two scores. They're up 31-17. And they, they break off a big play, approaching the two-minute warning. Eagles receiver gets tackled on the six. They're six yards away from a big payday for a toolsy. But it's a two score. They're up by two scores. So they don't need the points. Dolphins, no timeouts left. They hit the two-minute warning. They're, they're six yards away. And they, and they just ran out the clock. Had the Dolphins been within one score, they would have gone for it. Anyway, I, I'm not alone in, uh, in a lot of people upset with the Eagles because at that, at that point, I'm like, guys, is someone in the huddle lot saying, can we, can we pad my stats here? I need a touchdown. I've got none on the year. I need this come contract talks. Hey, Jalen, just give me the ball, bud. You just let me try. I won't fumble it. I promise. Didn't happen. Apparently, uh, 75% of the money was on the over for that. Yeah, game. see? I knew it, Tim. The fix was in. Mike Tirico on the call said, a lot of you tuning into this game to, to see the final score. So a slight little nudge to those who had wagered on the over. Uh, I, I did get a chance to watch a lot of baseball. I referred to this in the uh, the Quick Hitter Monday podcast, how Friday night was one of, if not the greatest night of postseason baseball I've ever witnessed. And I witnessed two World Series titles by the Jays in 92-93. But the drama in the Phillies-D-backs game, the drama in the Astros-Rangers game, edge of, edge of your seat. And you don't need to have a a team in it to just be wrapped up in the drama. Texas Rangers uh, were taken to a seventh game by the Astros after leading that series two games to none. And the Texas Rangers, we finally have new blood in the World Series as they won it in seven games, knocking off the Astros who go to the World Series every freaking year. We have the Astros out. And when the Rangers advance to the World Series, there's only one man we can bring in. And that is 
CJ Nitkowski. CJ, your Rangers into the World Series for the third time in franchise history, looking for their first World Series win. You got to be on top of the world. Uh, I am, and I appreciate you calling them my Rangers. Everyone knows, of course, they are my Rangers. Uh, seventh year now in the booth. I'll tell you what's funny. When I left FS1 to take that job with the Rangers, at the time, they had been playing some really good baseball leading up to that. They were a top 10 market uh, for a few years when it came to attendance and ratings and all of it. And I was like, oh, this is a great opportunity. Go to a winning ball club, uh, local TV. Like That's really strong. That's really solid. This is a good career move for a guy like me. And they went 124 games under 500 my first six years there. And I was like, holy cow. And then, of course, we see what happened with local television. Everything kind of went sideways on what I thought it was going to be. So this year in particular here in year seven, uh, it is fun. It is really exciting for this fan base that has been waiting for a long time. Extra special that they get into the World Series by sending the Houston Astros home. Uh, they have been 35 and 70 against the Astros my first six years. Like, we just had to wear it. And I don't like to say we too often, but I felt like even in the booth, we were wearing it uh, against the Astros for years. So it's fantastic. Everyone's excited. Those fans in Arlington and the DFW Metroplex, they absolutely deserve this. So I have to believe Texas Rangers fans are kind of like Toronto Maple Leafs fans. So when you're up two games to none in the series and then the Astros start chipping back, all Leafs fans would lose hope immediately and say, oh, here we go again. Is that what happened in this series? Absolutely. There was some great local news coverage after that game five, right after the Rangers had the lead in game five and blew it. And Jose Altuve hit that big home run and the Astros came in and they won all three games in Arlington. Fans coming out that were being interviewed by the local media. It was so great. So great. I mean, just going on about they were miserable. They were unhappy. They had that exact feeling that you were talking about. And not that it's great that they were miserable. We, miserable. we can joke about it now because they won. Uh, but you're right. That is that feeling that you get as a Ranger fan, especially when it's up against the Astros. And the Astros were in the ALCS for the seventh straight year. And it's been a real struggle against them. You're thinking, man, we got to go down to Minute Maid Park in Houston and try to win two games. Otherwise, our season is over. Yeah, things were really bleak. And the fan base, and I will be honest with you, I felt the same way. It felt like here we go again with the Houston Astros. On Friday night, uh, there was the bench clearing brawl. There was all the uh, the stuff with uh, Adolis Chap or uh, Adolis Garcia uh, and and him hitting home runs, and then them taking exception to how he he gazed at his home run. That Friday night, mixed with the the Phillies and D backs game, I called it maybe the greatest night of postseason baseball I'd ever witnessed. Would you concur? Yeah, it was amazing. And it was good for our game because, you know, leading up to these championship series, a lot of these series had kind of been duds, right? There was domination. Not one of the wild card series went three games. I would say no Blue Jays fans are familiar with that. And then even once we got into the division series, there really wasn't much of a contest there either. And so I was a little bit concerned, as you well know, like I do, for our audience, how many people are watching these games, how many days off we have in between series. There's that downtime. You worry about losing some of the momentum uh, to football right now with the NFL season underway like October is a really important month for Major League Baseball we weren't getting much at all in the sense of drama excitement not much suspension and then we get into the championship series and things change dramatically so yeah it was a really great night for baseball really big moments lots of drama uh, which then of course gets you all that engagement on social media that you're looking for and hopefully we get the same thing in the World Series but yeah it's been a much better championship series here in the postseason on both sides uh, than it was kind of leading into them. And the uh, the baseball world and the sports world got introduced to Adolis Garcia 
who, because I don't think 99% of the world knew who he was. 15 RBI in this series. In Game 7, in Game 7, he went 4 for 5 with 2 home runs and 5 RBI. That Those are like video game stats. They are, and it's it's great that the rest of the baseball world is getting to know him. I will tell you, that, tell you that they probably have a little bit of a different impression of him compared to who he really is. I will tell you that big moments, yes, it has always been a part of who he has been ever since he became a Texas Ranger, which, by the way, he became a Texas Ranger because the St. Louis Cardinals a few years ago designated him for assignment. They had a bad read on him. They misread him. He comes over to the Rangers, and he becomes a star. But we saw clutch moments the last couple of seasons. He would just get up for those moments. The thing that we all saw really for the first time was the emotion of Adolis Garcia. He is, Even though he is this jacked, muscle-bound dude, he's very laid back, he's very quiet, he does get pitched in a lot based on the kind of hitter that he is, and he never really seemed to get upset until about halfway through this year. Started noticing a couple of times when he was getting brushed back, just a little bit of a stare, not much, take his base when he got hit. And then, of course, we saw, as you mentioned, what happened in that uh, game on Friday where things just got out of control from an emotional standpoint. And then that carried over into game six for him. Uh, Even though he ended up hitting the big home run late, uh, the first four at-bats, he was swinging at pitches so far outside of the strike zone. The emotion was obvious. That's not who he was during the regular season. The biggest thing he did offensively this year was cut down his chase, which is important for everybody, but without giving up power, and he had a great year. And also, we kind of saw this over-aggressive new Adolis Garcia that I was not familiar with. Luckily, he came up big. They ended up leaving a pitch in the middle of the zone. He hits a big home run. He watches it, and he enjoys um, the moment. But uh, we love this guy. He is just a great player. He's a really great human being, and uh, he brings all the emotion uh, that the Rangers need. Because other than that, when you Look at, I know you guys are familiar with Marcus Simeon and his year in Toronto, Corey Seager, kind of the biggest guys on this team are generally pretty laid back. They're kind of business guys that go about, they do their business. You don't see a lot of emotion. Aroldis, excuse me, Adolis Garcia uh, is the guy that does bring that to the table for the Rangers. You always need at least a couple. Uh, him and then when they added Max Scherzer at the deadline were kind of the two guys that brought some of that external energy that everybody else can feed off of. And uh, with the Astros being gone, I now don't have to feel bad for a Jose Altuve because it got to a point. <laughs> I don't know if you, <laughs> it got to the point for you, but when he did have a big hit in this series and not to pick on John Smoltz, but uh, on the calls, I'm like, man, they talk about this guy's stature a lot because they, they'd be saying, yeah, he's such a tiny, he's a small man. I'm like, are they going to start saying he probably wears kids clothes, but he <laughs> carries a big bat. Yeah, no, I get it. At some point, you're like, okay, we got to drop the small guy thing. Yeah, and so that's the good news. It's another good reason for the Astros, I guess, not advancing to the World Series so we don't have to hear that part uh, of the story anymore. It is a really good story, and I know everyone's heard it a ton of times and being turned away from tryouts and all the kind of stuff and trying to get workouts with professional teams, and he was relentless, and it certainly is to be um, admired. But again, because of the position I'm in, I played for the Astros for a year and spent two years uh, in the organization. It was good times for me and my family lived down there. But once I became uh, a Texas Rangers broadcaster, there was just – it, almost immediately, you realize how much you dislike uh, the Houston Astros and, of course, everything they went through with the cheating scandal, being a really good team, very heavily rooting against the Houston Astros. With that being said, Jose Altuve is a pretty good dude. He's a really good player. They're already talking about extension for him contractually. Uh, I will still always root against him as long as the Rangers keep me employed. Uh, but, yes, it is, uh, it is a good story, and uh, I hate to say it, but he is somewhat of a likable guy. And finally, 
the Ted Cruz curse. Um, Ted Cruz, Senator. Uh, the Astros fans were trying to get him not to go to the game last night because they lose every time he's there. I, did he end up going to the game because they lost and are people irate with Ted Cruz? Uh, certainly Houston Astros fans are. Uh, that is for sure. Yes. I did see a post on social media and I, I don't want to say that he said Dallas Rangers, but I think he said good for the city of Dallas, which is always a thing for us in Arlington. Arlington sits right between Fort Worth and Dallas, right in the middle there. Of course, we call it the Metroplex, the DFW Metroplex, the whole area surrounding Arlington. But the Rangers play in Arlington. The Cowboys, Dallas Cowboys, play in Arlington. It's a great facility. Everything is right there, uh, Texas Live. So, yeah, I think that is a real thing, at least for Astro fans. Ranger fans don't care at all, of course, because uh, they won. Uh, so between... And I'll tell you what, who almost also blew it. Ted Cruz was on the list for the Astros, and Creed almost got there for the Rangers. I don't know how much you followed that story, but it became a thing. A big song. So Andrew Heaney talked about them kind of using that as kind of fun, tongue-in-cheek, motivational music when they were going through a really rough stretch. Creed comes in for the home series, and the Rangers lose all three games. I'm saying we better never see Creed again. It was fun. It was a good story. You're not invited back. Beat it. You got to go. And let's admit, it's a horrible song. Yeah, I mean, listen, not to steal your bit, but Creed, you blow it. (laughs) CJ, you never blow it. We still have, oh, shoot, your hat's hidden up here. That's all right. It's it's got some cobwebs on her, but we still got the 95 Road Tigers cap. Give it a sniff, tell me. (sighs) Nothing, nothing. You didn't sweat, you didn't sweat on the road that year for the... Detroit Tigers. Uh, I'll tell you, everybody watching me did. Um, so, hey, real quick, <laughs> since we're looking behind our views here, I get asked about these things behind me all the time. I don't know if you can see those. Yep. Uh, ticket stubs that I've gotten blown up. So there was like old tickets. I mean, we don't get ticket stubs anymore, right? But I don't know if you collected them when you went to sporting events as a kid. Sure did. But the bottom one is opening day, 1986, going to opening day with my dad at Yankee Stadium and found a place that prints canvas really cheap. And every time I do something, people always ask me, hey, what's that in the background? I'm telling you, uh, cool little thing. I know you got an awesome background there, nothing better than some, some Raisin Dan. But uh, we love building up our backgrounds, and I always tell people about these because I get a lot of questions about them. I'm going to get those done. I've got uh, a Springsteen ticket. I've oh, got nice. uh, a bunch of Blue Jays tickets, and I've got a, a ticket from the old Maple Leaf Gardens to see a Leafs game. So I will be getting those done. Yeah. CJ, you're the best. Love you, Dan. So... We will see if the Rangers win their first ever World Series. Joe Davis will be on the call for Fox calling the World Series. I don't think I'm uh, I don't think I'm uh, speaking out of school. What's what's the phrase, Tim? Talking out of class? Speaking out of turn? No, no, I don't think I'm telling tales out of school. Whatever. But I sent Joe Davis a text. And I said, because uh, he was calling the Astros Rangers series. And he is, I think, the best play-by-play voice in Major League Baseball right now. Voice of the, uh, the LA Dodgers. I said, keep kicking ass, brother. Your calls in the ALCS have been phenomenal. Chills. He responded with a thank you. But just, I, I love praising that guy. I love heaping praise on people that deserve it that are very good at their jobs because there's a lot of people in the broadcast world that and not so good cj nikowski uh, another guy who's phenomenal at his job and is also just a great guy 
Another guy that was uh, great at his job. Mr. Dress Up. How about that? How about that for a segue? We were speaking off air here last week, and um, producer Tim, one of the producers on this podcast, he said, Dan, have you seen the Mr. Dress Up uh, uh, doc on Amazon Prime? And I said, Tim, I gave it the first five minutes, and I wasn't, I wasn't uh, captured by it. And then Tim informed me, he said, Dan, he knows I'm a crier. He said, I don't know how you're going to make it through the last 40 minutes. So I said, that is a challenge I willfully accept. So this past weekend, I dial it up. My oldest daughter, Sydney, she's in the room doing her homework and stuff. And I, I popped down on the couch and I, I watched the Mr. Dress Up documentary detailing his entire career, how that show was the voice of a generation. And I, I didn't realize how long it went on. Like I'm like, man, I was 21 when that show went off the air. So I tried to put myself into my own head and I said, do I remember like walking into the room or flipping through the channels when I was older and saying, oh yeah, I remember that as a kid. But once they got into Mr. Dress Up and when he... When he lost his beloved wife, that's when, oh, the tears started flowing. Sydney keeps looking over at me. No words are exchanged. She just sees the waterworks. And our good friend Jonathan Torrens is scattered throughout that documentary, detailing the impact that Mr. Dressup had on an entire generation. And talking about the tickle trunk, which is still creepy to this day, that that's what it was called. <laughs> you cannot, you could not have a large prop on a show in today's day and age and call it the tickle trunk. <laughs> and it opens up the question I ask a lot. If the tickle trunk went for open sale at auction, how much would it sell for? There are a lot of rich people that watched Mr. Dress Up. There are a lot of wealthy people who would like to have the tickle trunk in their house just to, to point out and say, you watch Mr. Dress Up growing up? That's the tickle trunk right there. It is still intact. It's at the CBC Museum in downtown Toronto. You can go and see it. It's behind glass. But my over-under on that, producer Tim and Z-Money, on the tickle trunk, if it went for auction, is $100,000. Does it go over? Does it go under? Tim. I'm going to say a little bit under, probably more like 50 to 75. Okay. Z. I could see it going over. Some rich dude really wants it and, you know, lots of childhood memories. Thank you. I say minimum 250, that thing goes for. But uh, do yourself a favor. Oh, I should have worn my, uh, should have worn my Mr. Dress Up, Always Sharpen Your Crayons shirt. 
And they talked to the uh, the puppeteer for Casey and Finnegan. She's uh, living out in BC. And just, they talked about what a great person Ernie Coombs was. If you want to cry, which I like doing, it sounds weird, but it's good to let that out. So the memories were flowing with that, and then the memories came flooding back. No tears were shed when we celebrated the anniversary of Joe Carter's game-winning, World Series-winning home run 30 years ago. Here's a pitch on the way, a swing and a belt, left field, way back, Blue Jays win it! The Blue Jays are World Series champions as Joe Carter hits a three-run home run in the ninth inning and the Blue Jays have repeated as World Series champions. Touch them all, Joe, you'll never hit a bigger home run in your life. You always try to, to wonder what was going through his head. If he's thinking home run. And I read a lot of quotes from Joe Carter. He said before he went to the park that day. He told his wife. He said something special is going to happen in this game. And it sure as hell did. 30 years ago. One of the most iconic hits in World Series history. And that is also a reminder that that's the last time the Jays did anything 30 years ago. But hey, at least they aren't the Texas Rangers who have never won it. Bombsays! Tom Cheek on the call. Touch them all, Joe. And whenever I think of Tom Cheek, I think back to my days in Fort McMurray Radio. When I hosted a stupid little sports talk show every Saturday morning called Overtime. And I'd have to fill an hour of radio. So one year during spring training, I somehow got a hold of Tom Cheek's number. And I gave him a call and I said, hey, I run this little, this little stupid show. Uh, wondering if you wanted to come on and talk to me. And Tom Cheek said yes. And Tom Cheek came on my show. The legendary voice of the Toronto Blue Jays graced me with his presence, and I will never forget that. A class act who never had to do that. He could have easily said no. He said, no problem. When do you need me? So Tom Cheek will forever go down in in my heart as one of the best. And not just for that call, but for coming on (laughs) overtime. Oh, I need to tell you a little story. I don't think I've ever I've ever told this story before publicly about that show. So I'd have to tape promos that they'd run on the uh, the country station and the rock station overtime every Saturday morning on CJOK at 10 a.m. This week, my guests are, and then I run through the guests overtime. We'll see you then. And I would tape them on these little things called a digicart. It's like a big floppy disc handed to the DJ. They put it in when it's time for the promo to run. They hit play on that. So I tape my promos, hand it off to, uh, Tim Day, who still works in uh, in radio, great guy. 
I and then I hand him my promo and I go off on my day. After I leave the the station, I get a call, and then it's from Tim. He goes, Dan, you need to get back here because you just swore on air. I'm like, what? He's like, just come back here. So apparently, I recorded a promo. And I screwed up on it. Essentially, the promo went like, overtime this weekend with me, Dan. Fuck. And then I recorded a new one, but I kept the old promo with the F-bomb on it, handed it to Tim, and he played it on air. This went out to the entire city. So as a young broadcaster, my first real broadcast job, and that just happened, I'm like, okay, that's curtains, I'm done. I am finished, I will never work in broadcasting again. I go in there, Tim tells me what happened, I'm crapping my pants. I'm like, what do we do? He goes, well, I guess we just wait to find out if anyone heard it. So I'm waiting all day. Waiting, dreading the fact that I'm done. And no one called. No one in management heard it. No one that works at the station ratted me out. Tim didn't rat me out, which I appreciate to this day. He could have easily went to the boss and said, here's what happened. But he had my back. And I survived dropping an F-bomb on the radio. Thanks, Tim Day. You're the best, buddy, for not uh, sending me down the river. (laughs) Oh, talk about. That makes me nervous even thinking about it now. Uh, And also the NHL, uh, that was a horrible segue. This has nothing to do with what I was just talking about. The NHL came out with a a new stats portal in which you can look at every single stat from a player. Uh, It's called the NHL slash edge. So it's very detailed stats because they're wearing these monitors now in their equipment tracking their speed, time in the offensive zone, et cetera, et cetera. So the fact that this is out there now opens up a lot of possibilities for fans, fellow players. Like the chirping will will get to a new level if any of these players spend any time on this site because they can go to a guy and say, hey, you know that you're the slowest guy on this team, right? By a lot. Or that slowest guy's getting calls from their buddies. Dude, you got cement blocks on your skates? What the hell? And they're thinking, why, why are you guys doing as dirty like this? Why? We, we don't need that stuff out there. I wonder what Jason Allison's stats would be for speed. He once had a uh, shootout attempt. It's still one of my better lines. Jason Allison was coming in on the shootout, and I said, Jason Allison, 
moving at the speed of bread. It's pretty good. Makes you think. Something else that makes you think is, uh, and you, and this might be lost on 99% of the people, but a tweet I'm still thinking about to this day. And it was, uh, it was sent out during the D-backs Philly series by this uh, guy, Ellie. Oh, no, that was Jesse Spector, who's now going by Ellie the Elephant Enjoyer. <laughs> and Jesse Spector wrote, I forget that Evan Longoria is still in the league between his at-bats. Because <laughs> Evan Longoria plays for the Arizona Diamondbacks. And I'm like, that is exactly what I think. Every time he comes to the plate, even though he batted a couple of innings ago, I'm like, wait, that guy's still in the league? <laughs> Sometimes tweets just hit where you're like, that is perfect. Uh, uh, we got to dive into Boomsies Newsies because there's some gems here that uh, our crack research department has come up with. Um, if we can, uh, who, who's, uh, joining us today? Tis I. Oh, it's, uh, producer Tim, the bearer of jolliness. Uh, well, Dan, you uh, mentioned earlier the anniversary of the 93 world series team. Uh, the manager of that team is, uh, one of eight names that have been uh, put forward by baseball's Contemporary Baseball Manager Executives Umpire Ballot for the Hall of Fame. He uh, is on the ballot with Davey Johnson, Jimmy Leland, Ed Montague, Hank Peters, Lou Pinella, Joe West, and Bill White. So he's got a shot Cito. at the Hall of Fame. Yes. Cito, if you uh, listen to any interviews from players who played under Cito, said he was just a class act. He knew how to manage a lot of egos. Cito Gaston, yes, definitely. Hey, by the way, Tim, um, when Joe Carter hit that home run in 93, where were you? Yeah, you know what? I'm trying to remember. Where was I? Because in 92, I was at Sky Dome watching on the Jumbotron. 93. Was I at home? I think I was just at home. Yeah, I was just at home for that one. I remember 92 correct. I was at a party hosted by Marianne Sullivan and uh, it was in Peterborough and we were watching. And as soon as Joe Carter hit that home run, we went downtown and it was a scene out of a movie. George street in Peterborough was just honking cars. No, not, uh, not even the hint of violence or ne'er-do-wells it was just joy and it was the first time i'd experienced anything like that it didn't happen in 92 for some reason but when joe carter hit that home run it was the first time i'd seen a city come together to celebrate and i'd never witnessed that again until being in vancouver when Sidney crosby scored the golden goal where that was on a whole other level because celebrations have gotten bigger I remember going to the World Series parade. I skipped high school with my buddies. I'd driven to school. 
And I said to my buddies, I said, the World Series parade is today. Let's go up to Toronto. And we went up, not telling any of our parents. And um, I high-fived some of the players. It was only a few. It was like four people deep the parade route, and they're driving in convertibles. Compare that to when the Raptors won their title. So somehow celebrations have gone on steroids. Tim, can you explain why celebrations are much larger now? I don't know. Probably social media, I'm sure, probably has something to do with it. Everyone wants to be part of it. Everyone wants to have a photo op, throw up their stuff on Instagram. Uh, well, I I was out on the streets in '92 after they won. There was there were a lot of us out there, like because we there was a, God, there must have been at least fifteen twenty thousand people at the dome watching on the on the jumbotron. That's right. And well, that's wh- where the parade ended up. Yeah. Well, this is not the parade. I'm saying on the night of the game. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We you know, what? and everybody spilled into the streets and was running around and celebrating it was a lot of fun yeah but it wasn't as crazy as they are now you're right about that like imagine if the leafs one day win a stanley cup toronto might burn to the ground and i'm not like there the city services or the the police department i think dread the day the Leafs win the cup because it's going to be the end of the end of times. I, uh, I, I don't envy the, the folks who, if that happens one day, have to deal with that chaos. Uh, Tim, I wanted to get your take on, um, there's a new wonder woman. You're a big, uh, comic book guy. Uh, you're a wonder woman fan. I mean, I like the first Wonder Woman movie. I thought Gal Gadot was good. Yes, that was like um, iconic. Patty, How yeah, Patty viewed, Jenkins. Right? Yeah, Patty Jenkins uh, directed it. It was good. I liked it a lot. second one was terrible. So the new Wonder Woman is um, Isa Gonzalez. Yeah. I didn't recognize the name at first, but then like, I remember from Baby Driver. She was fun in Baby Driver. I liked her in that. She had a small role in Hobbs and Shaw. But yeah. Is Baby Driver like uh, one of those movies where the babies talk? No, not at all. Come on, man. What's that movie where the babies talk? Look who's talking? Yeah, look who's talking. Look who's talking to. Look who's still talking. Look who hasn't stopped talking. Weren't they? Why don't they do those movies anymore? Because uh, John Travolta was one of the voices, and the other one was uh, what's her name from Cheers, who also went crazy. Uh, Perlman? No, uh, I can't remember her name anymore. Whatever. Woody Harrelson? No. Kirstie Ted Alley. Danson. Kirstie Alley. That's it. Thank oh, you, Z Money. Yeah, hmm. Travolta and Kirstie Alley. There's a dynamic duo. You want to? promote a movie around <laughs> uh so are we yes on the new wonder woman are we no well, i i mean i'm sure she'll be great i, I they haven't even started 
I'm assuming even writing the movie yet, so it's pretty early to be uh, trashing it. Ah, okay. Um, well, thank you for your input, Tim. Uh, I wanted to get to um, one email here that I have time for. Uh, this is from our good friend, Stephen Belanger. Uh, Dear Dan, Tim, and Zed, love the peanut butter episode. I guess there's some backstory here. We were talking about peanut butter and jam sandwiches and especially the Uncrustables and how they're a sensation and how peanut butter and jam, which I had one of those yesterday, is a delicious sandwich. I digress. Love the peanut butter episode. I too will on occasion grab that toasted bagel with butter and peanut butter against my better judgment. But yes, it's supreme. I always feel badly for those who whiff of uh, pe- who a whiff of PB and J could be deadly because I've had peanut butter every morning forever. And that's a long time. I won't get into personal taste regarding brand because like you said about Leaf Skull song, it should be fun. However, I can't end this email without one disparaging comment. Sorry, Dan. Crustables. FFS and uh, that says uh, for fuck's sakes by the way I know others have said the same but your custom intro song totally slaps and you're one lucky dude posterity Stephen in Sault Ste. Marie I wanted to get that in because that was kind of a correction which is not really correction it was a comment on uh, Uncrustables I don't care what you say they're delicious very overpriced you can easily make them yourself but the best thing about convenience food is it's freaking convenient. Enjoy the World Series. It's going to be amazing. Uh, we will be talking about it at length. Make sure you send us your emails because uh, we're doing Danitized every second week. Yeah, let's talk at gmail.com. Y-A, let's talk at gmail.com. Best email or phone call of the week. We'll get the next Danitized item. Last week it was coffee. Next week it's another food item. And this one I've had in my pantry for over a year. And I use it religiously. I swear by it. 289-809-9690 is our phone number. 289-809-9690. Make sure you hug someone. And be nice. It doesn't cost you anything. We'll see you next week. Welcome to Boomsies with Dan O'Toozy. Live from Orno in the heart of Ontario. Oh, baby, Boomsies. Thanks for listening to Boomsies.